Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Josh Innes Show. Hello, it's me back again. What's happening? Josh Innes Show. Told you I'd pump some stuff out for you today because I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Again, some of these things end up shorter than others. Some are longer than others. Some might be 10 minutes. Some might be 20 minutes. Some might be an hour. That's the objective of this. When I've got thoughts, I just want to give you those thoughts. And hopefully I get to a point where I'm doing more stuff with Jilly as well, but Jilly's just busy as shit. She doesn't need my shit anymore. She's like, I don't need to do your bullshit. I'm on all these radio stations. I'm busy, which I respect. But uh, anyway, so at last we spoke, we talked about Tom Petty and uh, Tennessee football and my grandma on that random story. You know who's really good at sports right now is um, the uh, the city of Philadelphia. Like I saw WIP Instagram something yesterday about how uh, we're the best sports city in America. And they laid out two legitimate things that would confirm that. One is that the Phillies are in the NLCS and they're fucking playing their asses off. And one is that the Eagles are the only undefeated team in the NFL and they look damn near unstoppable. But then they felt it necessary to include, and the Flyers are a surprise 2-0. As if anybody gives a fuck about a hockey team being 2-0. And then they follow that with, and the 76ers have the seventh shortest odds to win the finals. Realizing, I would hope, that having the seventh shortest odds means absolutely nothing. Basically, you're saying there are six teams in front of us more likely to win in a league where like only four teams can win the whole thing anyway. But congrats. Like, and I want to be clear, I'm not trying to rip the teams that are actually good. I'm just more so ripping like the like this idea that like, hey, and we're a surprise 2-0 in hockey. Cool. Like, who gives a fuck? It's you're a surprise 2-0. If you're a surprise like 22 and 4, then call me. A surprise 2-0, it's it's two goddamn hockey games. But uh, honestly, that was my biggest issue when I was in Philadelphia is everything is the biggest fucking deal on the planet. And it's fine if the NLCS is the biggest deal on the planet. Team hadn't been to the playoffs since 2011. Haven't been that far since, what, 2010? That's at least something. Or 2009? That's at least something. 
Football's undefeated. That's something. Undefeated with a quarterback that they were so hell-bent on getting rid of that they wanted to have Deshaun Watson jerking off on women in Philadelphia instead of the dude, and he's just out there winning games. Does nothing but win. He's like black Tim Tebow, but actually good in the NFL. All he does is fucking wins. He doesn't really throw particularly well. He's not all that good. Like, honest to God, if you watch Jalen Hurts play, like, once they figure him out, he's kind of figured out. Like, he sucked in the second half of that game. But he was able to go out there and you know hold on enough to make the you know make the plays when he needed to. He ran a lot, can't really throw. I'm a little bit bitter towards him because he didn't get the passing yardage total I needed him to get. But still, and they're still six and zero. They're playing great defense. They're running the ball well. Like those are legitimate things that you could look at and go, fudge yeah, brother. Two and zero Flyers don't mean dick. Like, hey, guys, Flyers are also like you're not the best sports city in America because you got a team in the NLCS. And you've got a team that's six and zero, and then you got a fucking hockey team that's two and zero that's still gonna suck. Like, come on! It reminds me of when I got to town, and I before I got there, and I knew I was getting the job. This would have been in, I guess, October, November, and I decided to listen to WIP on the phone. And at the time, I think it was still, it might have still been the Cuz and, and Glenn before they whacked Glenn and put um, and put fella two on there with Cuz. And uh, I'm listening, and it's the night show they were doing with uh, Robbie E. And the and I think the Sixers started two and zero or three and zero. They had just beaten the Heat. It was a big deal. They were three and zero. And I swear to Christ, the topic of conversation on the Robbie E. show was do you do you want to still commit to the tank or do you think the Sixers can make a run? And there were fucking morons who were like, yeah, I think we got a shot, man. I mean, we're 3-0. We just beat LeBron. I mean, let's try to win fucking games. Like, my God, you're fucking idiots. And of course, they lost like 60 games or whatever it was that year, 60-something games. But like, it's just hysterical. Everything is the biggest deal ever, and there's a lot of fucking morons. But let me discuss this because I'm not going to sit here and deep dive into the football game. They're good. The, like, the Phillies, that's why I was so pissed off when the Phillies got in over the Brewers, because I knew the Cardinals were going to lose, and that's why I told you guys that all throughout the pod. I said, we're going to fucking lose, and it's going to crush my soul, and I know it's going to happen. I just fucking know it. And, of course, it did. They're getting the right pitching when they need it. They're getting huge hits. Dudes that sucked all year. Dudes that these morons in Philadelphia want to write off and say they're the worst players ever, like Castellanos. Who saved their ass in that 7-6 to six game? Castellanos. What do I read on, on the gram and on uh, Twitter? Oh, Reese Hoskins is the worst. He can't play defense. He's a horrible baseball player. He comes up with a big blast. They all fucking love him. It's just how it goes there. But you look at look at what's going on. My God, like it's like those two teams have got that city going nuts. And I, like it's weird. I'm kind of in a torn situation as I have no desire to root for either one of those teams because I don't like them. I have no rooting interest. And big picture, I have no rooting interest in the city of Philadelphia. But there are enough people that I like there as people that I'm like, hey, that's kind of fun. Like, I don't hate the Phillies. I don't like Bryce Harper. I find him to be annoying and pandering, and that kind of goes into what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, So I don't really like him. I find him to be annoying. And I really, really, really don't like Nick Sirianni. Actually, let's do this then. Let's have this conversation, right? So last night they beat the Cowboys. Of course, they beat Cooper Rush. Like, who gives a fuck? Why is it that every time these guys play a major primetime game against the Cowboys, the broke dick-ass Cowboys don't have a quarterback? Like, when I first moved there, uh, we got there in December of 2013. Our first night in Philly was in a hotel downtown. And it was a game that the the Eagles had to win to go to the playoffs. I think Brandon Boykin had an interception in that game at the end to seal it, and the Eagles went to the playoffs. They played the Saints. 
So our first night in town, we're in a hotel, and that was the game. And I believe Kyle Orton was the quarterback for the Cowboys. Like, that broke-dick-ass franchise can't keep a quarterback healthy when they play the Eagles to make it like a viable football game. Or then there was the Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys when the Eagles quarterback was hurt, and it was Mark Sanchez who went out and did it to him. And then Romo was always hurt, and Dak's always hurt. And, hey, like, I mean, there's just a who's who of who's not when those teams play. Like, you never really get to see. But here's why, like, you know how I feel about Bryce Harp, right? I'm annoyed by his pandering. Like, I see a lot, like, I'm getting hammered by McDougal because I commented on somebody's story or on a post from somebody that's in Dallas media. Uh, it was on the the How About Them Eagles thing from Sirianni. If you didn't see it, he's walking back to the locker room after they beat the Cowboys, and he's yelling, how about them Eagles? Like, you know, great, cool. Uh, and basically the point of the dude in Dallas was, like, congrats, you beat Cooper Rush and whatever. To which I said, but that's Philadelphia. Philadelphia is regressive and lives in the past and really loves you if you talk about the past and humor them and tell them that they're the best fans ever. I've never seen a group of people. And this is coming from a guy who needs validation all the time. And then I get validation and I get angry that I get validation and I only react to negative. I'm fucked. We all know this, right? But Philly fans are fucked in the sense that they need validation more than anyone. Like in Houston, I never heard people call radio stations and beg to be called the greatest fans ever and be pandered to. Basically, they just want you to win fucking games. The only person that I think in the history of Houston that got by with what he was because he was what he was, if that made any sense, was Bum. And by the way, Bum won a lot of football games too, but Bum was Texas. Like Nolan Ryan is Texas. Like those kind of guys fit. But neither one of them were inauthentic. Like, Bum Phillips was not inauthentic. Bum Phillips wore the cowboy hat and that fucking sheepskin jacket that I want so badly and the boots. He was Texas. Nolan Ryan is Texas. That's who these guys are. I can't think of an athlete that had to go out and pander hard. Like, I'm trying. I cannot think in all the places I've lived. Like, you could argue, I guess, uh, Brian Kelly went out and put on a fake Southern accent for five minutes in Louisiana to try to pander. But outside of that, I think he's been pretty straightforward about what he is. But in Houston, that's never been the case. I've never had to see – in New Orleans, Sean Payton didn't have to come out and pander to people to be successful. But I think what bothers me about the Sirianni thing is that Sirianni might actually be a good coach. They are undefeated. Their offense, when it's humming, which is mostly just the second quarter, but their offense, when it's humming, is really sick. And he's doing this with a quarterback who, as we talked about, isn't that good, but he keeps winning football games, and they have figured it out, and they've managed injuries. And, like, Sirianni is probably a good coach. I mean, it's a short window. I mean, Chip Kelly won 20 games in his first two seasons in Philly and got fired the next. So, I mean, who knows? He could fall off a cliff. But he seems to have a good relationship. The owner seems to like him. There's not a lot of drama. Cool. And they're winning a lot of football games. They're undefeated. And they've got a schedule coming up, which, by the way, will allow them to win a lot more football games. I I tweeted last night that they may go undefeated and McDougal got all pissed. But I was being dead serious. Now, are they going to go undefeated? No. I mean, they'll probably get to a point where they might, you know, be able to sit a game or two. So there's that. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com.
But let me tell you, man, you look at that team and you look at the way they're set up and you look at the way their schedule is set up, they are in position to win a lot of games in a row. Their schedule is nothing. Like the Texans are on the schedule. Uh, You've got, I think, the Saints are on the schedule coming up and the Saints can't beat anybody at this point. I mean, you look, the Steelers, I mean, are the Steelers good? I don't think so. I mean, they're better than they were with the homeboy, with Kenny Pickett, but that's it. Texans they can beat, Commander Skins they can beat, Colts they can beat, Packers they can beat, Titans they can beat. I mean, honestly, you look at the schedule and you go, maybe the t- – may- like, could they lose to the Colts? Sure. Could they lose to the, the, the Commander Skins? Maybe. But I mean, they have a potential to win a lot of football. Hell, they might win. They might lose the thirtieth against uh, the Steelers. I don't know, but they could win all of these games, and it's not unrealistic to think that they're going to be undefeated through the first twelve games of the year, which is absurd, but it's very possible. But you're obviously winning football games, and you're coaching well, and you're doing this with a quarterback who most people still don't buy is a legit franchise quarterback. All that. I mean, you saw him in the second half; he looked like shit. But I bring this up because Nick Sirianni being a pretty solid fucking coach, I don't know that you need to sit there and keep the pandering shit. And you could say, that's just who he is. It's bullshit. He's pandering. Because that's how you're programmed in Philadelphia because the fans are fucking lunatics. And they like they need to be told they're great and you need to pander. That's why you roll out there in your Iverson jerseys. And that's why you roll out there in your Buddy Ryan shit. And you roll out there. Uh, what was it he was wearing the other week? Oh, he's wearing a Mike Quick jersey. And is like, hey, I wear Mike Quick because I grew up liking Mike Quick. Like you were four when Mike Quick was in the league. So let's stop acting. But that's kind of how he is. Like it makes me mad. It makes me mad that this guy who's probably a pretty good coach still has to resort to being obnoxious and pandering to a bunch of idiots whose only reason for liking him will be that he's winning and they'll hate him if he's losing. That's the other thing you want to tell this guy. It's like, listen, dude, you can pander all you fucking want. If you were 0-6 instead of 6-0, and they wouldn't give a fuck. If you were 3-3 and instead of 6-0, and they'd fucking hate you. They'd cut your balls off. They don't like you. It's how the city works. Like pandering to them is great. And a lot of McDougals fall in love with the pandering and they really get into it at times with certain dudes. And they're into it with him now because they love the how about them Eagles and all that shit. It's a 30 year old bullshit reference, but hey, he's into it. But it bothers me that the guy feels the need to do it. Like Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is such a good player. But you can't tell me when you see him do the shit he does and wear the fanatic shit and all that that that's authentic. It's not. He's playing a fucking character. And that's the part that bothers me. And that's one of my downfalls is I'm not good at playing a character. Like a lot of people listen to me on the radio and think I'm being fake. But what they don't realize is that most people who are being fake are the ones that they think are being real because they're fucking morons and they fall for it. And that's not just Philly. That's everywhere. Like when some rah-rah fanboy is on the air, he's probably full of shit and he's pandering to you. Because no one's full-on rah-rah fanboy all the time. They're just telling you what they think you want to hear. I, that's my biggest, honest to God, that's my biggest downfall. I'm good at radio. I'm de- I'm, I'm pretty funny. I'm actually very knowledgeable. Now I'm sitting there selling myself to you like we're you know going to meet up and fuck. But I, um, I, you know, I know the shit that I'm talking about. My issue is I'm not good at pandering. The close, like, like, and I, the only time I'm good at pandering is I have to convince myself that what I'm doing is not pandering. Right? Example. With the Astros, I don't think I was pandering when they were good. I was just, I was legitimately into it. And I realized they helped the radio station if they were good. I realized that it was still an untapped market in the city because there were a lot of people who 
Uh, a lot of media people who still didn't embrace talking about it, especially over at 610 where they're like, hey, the Texans, Texans, Texans. I'm like, fuck, no, this team's going to the World Series. We're going to focus on them. And that's why I did what I did. But I bought season tickets. I was involved. I was invested. I wanted them to win. But I never engaged in the kind of bullshit that I that, that I dislike which is like radio hosts like fighting other radio hosts in terms of like you know from other cities about the team unless I thought it was really bullshit what they did but like I don't like I don't creep onto social media and try to start fights over teams like I would have felt inauthentic doing that a couple of times I probably like I made fun of the Ra- uh, Rangers announcer uh for saying something about the standings at one point we hammered him that's one thing but like some of these guys feel they have to go to social media, pander, and then fight the other team's fans and media people to win your love, and I don't feel I need to do that. And maybe I'm the wrong one here because losers like the guys on WIP still have jobs and I'm not in sports radio anymore. So maybe there's something to that. But I can't do it. And I kind of wish I could. In a way, I envy it, and I think that's why I hate it so much. I wish I could just be completely dishonest. Like I wish I could go out and tell everybody that you know here i am rah rah fanboy guy and i love this but i can't it's not my dna and i think that's why i lash out towards it like bryce harper and the shit he does annoys the shit out of me because ultimately just be good at it and it doesn't matter if you pander or not it's the guys who suck that need to pander nick sirianni doesn't need to pander guys six and oh the 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 facts are there right Bryce Harper doesn't need to pander. He's won an MVP. He's hitting postseason home runs now. Like you don't need to roll around in your fucking fanatic gear and go jerk off on the Liberty Bell and and you know beat off into a hoagie and you know all that shit. Hey, hey guys, I'm gonna go buy a, a whiz wit and jerk off into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna use it as a flashlight. I'm gonna go to Pat's or Gino's or Prince's or wherever, and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna I'm going to Delasandro's and I'm gonna go get a cheesesteak and I'm gonna use that fucker as a flashlight while I uh, I wear my my fanatic headband and go watch the the 2003 uh, Eagles season video. I also hate Mike Trout. Like if I and if I were a fan of the Angels, I'd hate Mike Trout too, because the guy's a regular season dope. And then like every year in October, your team's sitting at home, even though you're paying him millions of dollars, and his ass is just at the fucking Eagles games because he ain't playing in the playoffs. Uh, anyway, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? These are the ABCs of me. But the, and the, that's the thing: the Eagles are really good. Like there are times where they are unstoppable. And again, that time is the second quarter statistically, but still, they are unstoppable. But it's just weird. There's so, like I don't think in New York people like New York people don't have to pander. A guy who I think is a great radio host with gigantic ratings in in Boston is a guy. Uh, not Boston, but in Detroit. Uh, his name is Mike Valenti. He's a New York guy. He is on the radio. He roots for the Giants. That is his team. But he talks about the the Lions and has a. Some sort of dedication to them because he's lived there a long time and all that. Kind of like I was in Houston and stuff like that. Except I'm more rah-rah about it than he was or is. Guy's got gigantic ratings there. And he's able to go on the air and say, hey, the Giants are my fucking team. You know, one of my big regrets is that I would go on the air and I and I was told by all these PDs that you kind of kind of act like you're a fan of the teams and kind of just dismiss everything you were before. And um, I had a hard time with that, but I went with it. And now I can see why people think I'm a fraud because you hear me on the radio and you think this guy didn't have any other teams. Well, I did. Speaking of radio people, another random thing. So Beasley uh, Broadcasting is a, is a radio group 
And uh, they own stations like 97.5, The Fanatic, and they own the Sports Hub in Boston, which is the most, arguably the most powerful sports radio station in America. You could say WFAN. WIP is very high up there as well. But like this station generates buku de nero. They've they've got record setting ratings in Boston. It's stupid how good this radio station is, and I've been listening to it since it, since its inception. And I was obsessed with it. I used to listen when I was 22, 23, and that station launched. I'd sit there, still kind of in the early days of streaming radio shows, and I would sit at my apartment by myself in Houston and listen and go, "These fucking guys are doing what I want to do. This is unreal." But uh, this radio station that's owned by Beasley, Beasley over the last couple weeks has been um, dumping people. They have been um, uh, laying people off to try to free up money as if dudes making $30,000 a year is going to really impact the bottom line. But they have to appease their shareholders like all these radio companies do now. So they fire people. And uh, like in, in Philly, they fired this uh, the, the Cuz's old producer from the Kincaid show. And when they did that, I was responding to one of these Crossing Broad guys, and I said, you know, why aren't you guys calling out John Kincaid for not saving this guy's job? And they're like, well, they probably didn't even know, and there's nothing he can do. I said, I disagree. When you're the star of the show, you can really flex your muscles. Even if it means taking less money or whatever, you can keep a guy if you really want a guy. Okay, fine. And that, and that they didn't buy it, and that's fine. So then you look in Boston. And the Toucher and Rich show is the number one radio show in the morning in Boston. They set records, like 25 shares. We think Angelo does well in Philadelphia, which he does. This guy puts up better numbers in Boston than uh, than um, than WMMR puts up in the morning with those guys. What, the, what are they called? Oh, what the hell is the name of that damn show? I'm not trying to be a dick. I honestly am just drawing a blank for some reason on the Preston and Steve on their show. Like this guy, th- These guys are putting up better numbers than Preston and Steve. It's dumb how good these guys are. And they were blindsided a couple weeks ago when their producer, a huge part of what they do, a guy who does a lot of their audio stuff, has been with them since the beginning on that station, they just fired him. And the guys were pissed, and they go on the air, and they did better than I would. I would go on the air and just rant and rave and probably get myself whacked too. But they were very calm, very collected about it, and it was admirable what they did. I applauded them for it. They did a much better job than I did. Would do, I guess. And they said, but we're going to do everything we can to try to get our guy back. Well, today I'm listening to their to a, a piece of audio from their show. And they say, listen, I had to go out. One of the guys on the show, Rich, who's a hella nice guy, just a good dude, talented guy. And um, they say, I he had to apparently go into a big meeting with these Beasley people. He had to meet the board or whatever and shit and explain to them why this guy was important. Keep in mind, this radio station is one of the top billing stations in the country. Beasley doesn't have a ton of those. I mean, this is a monster station. And they felt that based on the ratings they've had, based on the money they've had that they've generated, there should be some leeway. So what they came to the conclusion is, nope, we're not going to do it. We just, we, no, we're not going to bring him back. So this dude, from what it sounds like, is taking money out of his own pocket. He is taking money out of his salary. And he's going to pay this dude to keep him around, which I find admirable. I mean, when Jim got employed at 790, that's because they gave me a lump sum. And I said, I want Jim to have blank. I wanted him to have more than he made at 610. And I gave it to him, took it out of my pocket. Same with Jilly. I admire that. I admire people who are willing to do that. I admire people who step up and say, you know what? This guy is important. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. That's why it rings hollow to me. Like I saw the video of the Jamie dude getting whacked at Beasley. And I see the dudes like John Kincaid on their little stream. And they're like, you know, this is a sad day. I wonder if, and I don't know this answer, so I'm not trying to rip the guy yet. But I wonder if John Kincaid went in and said, 
this guy really is important and what do I have to do to keep him? What can I do? Because if he didn't, then going on the air and crying about it is also fake. And I'm not here for your fake-ass bullshit. Just be honest. Like, if you didn't think that he was that important, you say, hey, wasn't all that important. I mean, listen, we think we can go on without him. It sucks that he got fired, but I inherited this guy anyway. Blank. Over. But those guys in Boston, they loved the guy they worked with and had him there for over a decade plus, and that guy helped make them number one and have the biggest ratings ever, and you know what they did? They put their fucking money where their mouth is, and not enough people are willing to do that. Now, not everybody makes the money they make. They're probably you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, like seven, 800000 I mean, they have to be. They have the biggest ratings in Boston. They make stupid money. But even with that, to be able to say, you know what, to take the willingness to say, I am gonna ch- I'm going to chop some of my money off and give it to this guy because he's that important and I want him around. Because a lot of guys in their mind think they can do it alone. Like when I got the job at 790, they just gave me this huge sum of money, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And they were like, well, if you don't want to hire a producer, we got one here and he'll make you know X amount of dollars and the rest of it's yours. And I'm like, that's great. And then that job won't last very long because I need people to play off of. I need a good producer that knows what I do. I need another person. And I did that. Not to suck my own dick here, but that's something. And not everybody's going to do that. Not everybody's going to step up and do that. Are you willing to do that? Now, the argument could be, well, they don't really, like, it's not really their job to have to give up their money. That was an argument the Crossing Broad people made to me about guys like Kincaid. I said, fine, he doesn't have to, but he also doesn't have to go to the internet and act like he's sad that some guy got whacked that he didn't even attempt to help. And I don't know if that was the case, but if you didn't go up there and say, I will give up some of my own money to keep this guy, that's how much I want him, then your little message on the internet means dick to me. But hats off to Toucher and Rich, and it's badass, man. In a shitty industry where everything's dying and people are losing jobs and there's no passion for it anymore. And in a world like that, to have guys that say, fuck this, I'm going to get my guy back, that's fucking cool. That's Jerry Maguire shit right there. And I fucking love it. Anyway, all right, love you guys, and uh, see if we can get another one out uh, later on today. Thank you.